What's up, everybody? This is Gabby. And KT. And welcome to Building Our Power. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Make sure you follow us on Building Our PWR. Okay, today we're going to be talking about housing. Different types of housing in history. Different ways corporations and the government have exploited and scammed people. We're going to talk about uh, company towns, the projects, and now this new neoliberal um, idea of community land trust that's taking hold. Um, so about company towns, what is a company town? So a company town is a town literally started by a company. Uh, these companies, they would, uh, set shop in these, like in the wilderness, like in the country, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and they of course need workers and with the workers, the workers need a place to stay. So since it was in the middle of nowhere, there was nowhere for them to stay. So they had to provide them with housing. So they build up these houses um, they'll build up stores, they build up uh, everything you need, barbershops, churches, uh, community centers, everything. But everything was owned solely by that corporation. So all money made pretty much went back to the corporation. Um, so it was really a big old scam. And um, there are apparently still some around today. Um, if I'm not mistaken, KT actually lived next to one, and she's going to tell us a little bit about uh, that company town by her. Yeah, so uh, I did actually live next to one. I actually went to school within that company town during the time uh, I was in high school. And so basically, this company town uh, during Missouri, what happened was is that this lumber company came in and it decided, you know what, we, we want to start uh, cutting down all these trees, etc., so the lumber company comes in, they bring all the people in, and they put this huge fence around it because it is a forest. And, you know, they got to keep all these people and all these forest animals within that way. So essentially, it, it just basically exploited these people. They would go to the grocery store, uh, and then once they go to the grocery store, the money made at that grocery store would go directly back to that company. Or they would go to, uh, let's say, they go to the gas station. The company owned it. So they would basically get that money right back to the company. So it's kind of like if you were literally working and then just giving your money right back to your employer. Over and over. So that's where the scam come in, comes in. So my thought behind this is, and this is kind of going to tie it into, I feel like, public housing. The government, um, I feel like, and Gabby disagrees, but I feel like the government probably hired some of these, these companies or pushed some of these companies to generate the economy. That makes sense to me. So I feel like it's possible that the government pushed this as kind of like a stepping stone to public housing, but only for white people. That's another point with these company houses is that majority or company towns, majority of these cities were white people. Yes, it was exploitive, but guess what? They got a mortgage where they got to keep their house. They got uh, a place where when the company is gone, they still have housing, right? So I, to me, I feel like that would have been like a stepping stone to public housing. But uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're going to go into next. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of public housing and, and where that's at today. Okay, I agree. I disagree with that 100% because if you go down that little city town right now, them folks is in poverty, living in shacks. I don't think that they got a one-up. I actually think, and 
comparative to the other white people in America, they probably had uh, the least a bit of come up because those folks been in poverty since 1940. Uh, that's a shame. Uh, I, I want to say, here's the thing. This is what I want to talk about, though. Think about this, okay? In those towns, they were, they're now considered rich. I know that uh, you definitely think they're poor. I definitely think they're poor. I know that they're poor, but they're not. They're in those towns. They are considered rich. There's no way because they, they are the people who own their houses still. They're the people that have the land now. The people that don't own their houses and are still renting in this previous, like, uh, public projects, those are the actual poor people in those towns. I know. They're both poor. They're I both mean, just poor, because yeah. I mean, in the relative place that you're not poor. But they still live in a shack. They still on food stamps. Not people like, for instance, my grandma. Think about my grandma. Yes, her house may be falling apart, but she owns it, number one. She's not on food stamps, and she's been able to retire. She's a white woman. But she, 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 but she didn't work like, for a couple of times. She worked for the school system. Yes, but the, but where she lives was part of, like, people going to... It was like a subdivision of that company town, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Like, during Missouri is extremely small, but I'm almost certain because it was so small that people had to go to work over there in D- during Missouri because the, all of the other little towns around it are super-duper small. They've got uh, railroad tracks, like we'll talk about, and those railroad tracks, I'm sure, they went from there over to that school. Right, but what I'm telling y'all is... KT, I mean, you can say relative to that place. That yes. They have money. They're yes. well to do, but they're not well and to do. And what's crazy to me is, is they're that, not. Yes, they're poor, but we talked about this yesterday. They're also some of the highest, like, Republicans. Make that make sense. I mean, we can talk about that in a second, too. But I, I just wanted to reiterate that fact that I don't think that that was something that the government was telling them to do and was like a public good. It's that they didn't have, you have workers. You can't just throw them and let them live in a tent in the middle of the woods with the wolves and stuff. You're going to have to uh, provide some basic anonymities for your people so that they can work and stay alive and, and push out the profit. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so you want to talk about the public housing? Yeah, so I'm I'm I am going to read this little paragraph about the history of public housing. So, um, basically, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background. So, in I think it was what's it say, 1867, the first tenement law regulation in America is enacted in New York City to ban the construction of rooms without ventilators and apartments without fire escapes. In 1923, under Mayor Daniel Hone of the Socialist Party, Milwaukee, completes construction of the country's first public project housing, or housing project. So, for the the housing projects, uh, a lot of people like to think, like, it has always been, like, a majority black people. But the truth of the matter is, is that the government actually created public housing initially only for white folks, okay, white people. So, um, definitely what happened was, is that the government was like, you know what, we got all these white people who are coming back from the war, they don't have housing, uh, they don't have a place to stay, let's go ahead and give them low mortgages so that they can go ahead and find them a home and they can just live there long term. 
So, um, basically from here, once that was done and white people were coming back and they were still poor and they were noticing like, hey, black people are obviously poor. Let's go ahead and create HUD. They created HUD in 1930, uh, at which point, you know, the Great Depression is there. And then in 1934, Congress uh, created the Federal Housing Administration. So, FHA, uh, which made home ownership affordable for a broader segment of the public with the establishment of mortgage insurance programs. So at that point, that's when they started bringing in black people. So, and then in 1937, the Housing Act sought to address the housing needs of lower income people through public housing. So what the government basically did is they started building these, uh, these housing divisions, basically. And it's really significant where they're placed. They're placed, like, on a railroad station. So half of the town is white people or lower-income white people. And then the other half of the town is black people or lower-income black people. So uh, at that point, uh, what what were we talking about? How they, they basically didn't have access to... Like, white people at that point had access to get mortgages, low-income mortgages, and they were able to move forward because the government was like, hey, we don't want public housing to be a long-term thing. We want it to be a short-term thing and to move on up for you or a way to move on up. But black people, they didn't get that option. During that time, it was obviously extremely racist, still racist, with mortgages in the bank. And black people were not even able to get mortgages in the bank because white people didn't want them moving over into their neighborhoods. So, that brings us to today. Okay. Today, that is still happening. We have here in Memphis, black neighborhoods that have not been upgraded at all. And there's, the, the white neighborhoods have been upgraded or they've been completely uh, moved to a, a different sector, okay? So, that, that's basically, it's still happening, as we talk today, it is still happening. So, Gabby, what do you think? Yeah, so public housing. It's interesting. I didn't know until today that there was white projects in Memphis. And one of them actually Elvis lived there. I think it's called Lauderdale something. And now it's like a tourist attraction. So, what they actually did, well, it was crazy. They, the rich white folk, not the rich white folk, but the white people's projects, when the white people moved out, they just put the black folks up in there. And if you was really out of luck, you had to stay in the black ones that were never renovated. Uh, at the moment now, they have torn down um, the last remaining uh, projects we had in Memphis, which were foot homes and Clayman homes. They have uh, turned them into apartments. One of them is the quote-unquote affordable one, which if you're making minimum wage is not affordable. The rent is six twenty-five for a one-bedroom. It's six sixty-five. Six sixty-five for a one-bedroom, um, and then the other one is like a thousand dollars for a one-bedroom. So they've gentrified the projects now, and the the white projects are now apartments for the uh, lower income, and those are around four hundred, like the the affordable rate. Um, so I mean, that's pretty much that's that's what they do, and and that's what they're gonna continue to do. Now, there has been talks of this whole community land trust thing. 
And I think it's kind of a liberal co-opted nonprofit rebrand of uh, some of the same stuff. Because here's my rule of thumb. If a whole bunch of white liberal people say that something is going to be good for uh, help benefit black people, it's not. It's actually a scam for them to make money. It's a scam for them to get funding from their nonprofits and all that type of stuff. So this new thing they want us to do is the community land trust because they say gentrification is taking over the city. And so some of the um, primary residents in these neighborhoods can no longer afford the rent. Absolutely. Because all these rich people are coming in. But instead of saying we're either going to stop the gentrifiers from coming in or we're going to make sure you get paid enough money so that you can pay your rent, your mortgages, and still have money left over. We're going to fight for you to get $20 minimum wage. No, we ain't going to do that. We're going to do a community land trust. So what is, what is a community land trust? A community land trust, according to the readings, which is kind of like all over the place, is an arrangement in which the community or an organization more than likely, now a private organization owns a plot of land. They either get it uh, from a public grant or a private investment. I think they get um, one plot of land from a bank, which why would a bank want to give money to uh, this? Um, and so what they're going to end up doing is buying up all of this land and then um, building up houses and letting people purchase said houses. They will own the houses, but they will not own the land. They won't own the land. They will not own the land that their house is attached to. So How does that make sense? It doesn't make sense to me. And then they said, okay, we're going to make sure you're allowed to somehow build equity, right? But when it's time for you to resell your house, you have to make sure that um, whatever rate you're selling it at, no matter the renovations or whatever... It has to be at a fair rate so that people in affordable housing can, con- or people that need affordable housing can continue to live in said neighborhood. And then, of course, the uh, land trust organization will get a cutout as well. So, so uh, yeah. I, I guess I'm kind of confused because what you're saying is, is that basically what's happening is, is that this corporation will come into uh, no, it's a non or, I'm sorry, a nonprofit organization will come into uh, uh, a bit of land. Let's say, for instance, here in Memphis, they buy a huge plot of land. And then at that point, they negotiate with the bank for people to get housing, but they don't own the land. Like, that, to me, that doesn't make sense. Why would somebody not own the land that their house is on as well? And they, are they just leasing it? What What are they doing with that land? And they're leasing the land. So, so that's a great question. Why can't the people just own the land themselves? Yeah. Because they say somehow that with the community land trust, they can make sure that the prices of the mortgages don't go up too high or something like that. Instead of the government just putting out there, y'all are not allowed to, uh, like, putting a, 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 yeah, a cap yeah. on the apartment rates or the mortgages. I need a nonprofit organization to have control pretty much 
of my neighborhood now and have control of my land. Because here's the thing about it. They, well, let's say I go into a, a bout of depression. Mm-hmm. And I cannot upkeep with my house no more. My house look a wreck. Uh, it needs to be repaired. I don't have the money for it. I can't do it. This, that, and the third. Them folks gonna kick you out if you don't uh, take care of your stuff. And what's the purpose? Because you also said, um, for like lower income neighborhoods, also to be able to be there like long term. Again, what's the purpose of you buying a house and you going to the bank for the buying the house and then? You're just going to resell it? Why do I have to resell it? If it's my house and I pay it off, am I not allowed to, like, give it to a random family member? Like, none of that just make that doesn't make any sense to me, as like, long-term, unless that nonprofit is just trying to generate a, a profit. Well, I'm thinking, like, my whole thing would be about, I guess, if uh, somebody that was rich was trying to come in and buy up all the land. That's like the uh, the nonprofit reasoning, but to me, like you said, I'm like, what if you up in this community trust land and nobody in the community ever wants to leave? Do y'all get more money? The amount of families that move into the area, will y'all still continue to have money if it's the same families there for fifty and sixty years? No, because I remember reading at least with what we were looking at. What they what they said is they do a, like a ninety nine uh, year mortgage. So think about or how many people majority how many majority black people we talked about this on a previous episode live to ninety nine. How many of them? It's it, especially here in Memphis. It that is not the or even in Tennessee, the average year is like seventy five. Or, what was it, 83, something like that? It's very low. No one is going to be able to do a 99-year loan. So what is going to happen is, is that these freaking nonprofits are going to go to the bank with you, put you in debt to a certain point. And then when you die, guess what they get to do? They own that land, so they re-own that they reown that house. That's what I was thinking. That's about. what they Hold get on. to do. Not even that. We like, we talking ninety years. What about the old folk? What, what when? Ain't no way. When they die, what happens to the house? It goes back to the people. It go. I bet you it goes right back to that nonprofit because that that would only make sense if they are the ones that's going to the bank. If they are the ones that own the land. The only way that that they would be able to do that, you you can't give it away to a family member because you don't technically own the house. It's basically just fucking renting. You're that's, just renting. That's what I from the bank. That's, that's it. That's what I was thinking. That is really just a rental house. Yeah. That you can maybe get a little bit of money for eventually. But it's not going to, they're not going to allow you to have that house and keep passing it around. I don't believe that to be true. I just don't. There, it's it's got to be another scam to it. But ultimately, we're talking all about this. We're, we're entertaining their arguments. Right. We're entertaining their argument because we know all these nonprofits, Habitat for Humanity, uh, Service Over Self, all these doggone nonprofits that 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 uh, supposedly are supposed to help with housing, now it's become affordable housing. Why the fuck are you giving affordable housing when you are getting millions of dollars from corporations? Give them people a house. 
and give them that land and leave them alone. Why are people still having to pay mortgages? Think about what, what is the purpose of this? Oh, you make money off of them. So is it really, a, are you really doing a good? Is it really a charity? Especially when we know that Memphis, the poverty rate is incredible. Yep. And, and, and if somebody falls on even worse hard times, they lose their job, then they lose their house. So what was the purpose of said charity if they don't even own the doggone thing? Yeah, so I want to say this kind of um, generated, because Gabby and I, we obviously, we really like looking at history. And we like looking at the history of uh, Memphis uh, neighborhoods, okay? So one day we were over in this neighborhood in Memphis called Binghampton. So uh, we were over there, and again, guess what? They have that railroad. It's no longer a railroad, but they've turned it into a, uh, what, what is it, uh, overpass. It's an overpass now, okay? So um, basically, on one side of the overpass, all black people, the houses over there are freaking crazy. It's freaking crazy. You can be on the same block, okay, in this neighborhood, and there is a house that's about falling apart, the roof caved in, there's tree limbs on top of the roof, and right next to it looks like a multi-million dollar house. This is the same neighborhood that has these community land trusts. Why? What's the purpose of that? What's the purpose? It's because of gentrification, okay? That's what this all ties into. Nonprofit organizations profit from gentrification. My hypothesis for this whole community land trust thing. It may be a conspiracy theory, but let me know what you think. I think this is a revitalized system of the segregationist um, projects, but also a way for them to still say uh, it's not segregation because rich people are going to be here, and we're giving you diversity of communities. And now when people say diversity of communities, they're not talking about race. They're talking about economic systems. So poor people living with rich people, which is going to pretty much be gentrification. So... uh, it's allowing the white people to be able to live in these areas that they want to, have the black people be, you know, kind of just staying in their little area of their houses in which they are paying mortgages on, kind of, uh, that they don't really own. But so that uh, they're not going to be able to go into these new areas that they're renovating, uh, that will be downtown and uh, when it starts moving to Frazier and stuff like that. When when people are ready to move, the white folks are ready to move back over there, you're going to be in your little dedicated areas, and that's going to be that on that. Yep. And I think that's kind of part of it as well because, again, I do not see the purpose of this. I don't see why you just don't give people their plot of land. I literally, if somebody can explain to me, why we can't just give people the house and the land and then put in their legislation that says you are not allowed to raise these uh, the mortgages and rates this high because they're not going to do that. Um, so, and why, again, why would you make it 99 years? That doesn't, again, that's another thing. If these are older people who have lived in these houses for decades now, what is the absolute purpose of making a, a 99-year mortgage? It's because they know they will never be able to pay it off. So that house goes right back to the land trust. And these people, whenever they say it's some kind of wonderful community thing, they're just exploiting people again. 
So I think this goes to our main point. The main point is every single nonprofit eventually turns into a demonic Satanist organization. <laughs> that whole goal is to destroy the fabric of America and to keep us out in poverty and in bondage. Because these people are getting money from banks. Money from banks. To disperse said money and divide it up and to give one crumb to this person and run crumb to that one yep. instead of the bank just giving the money directly to them or instead of these corporations just paying us enough money. And that's why nonprofits are around. They're around to, to, to put a band-aid on issues and so that we'll never we'll we'll have enough little needs met so that we won't feel that we need to actually fight for something. And it keeps white people thinking that as long as they join these nonprofits, they're making a difference. But they're not making a difference because they're not challenging the status quo, because they're not financially incentivized to do so. So they're evil. I hate them. This community, community land trust thing is a farce. It's anti-communist. This could actually be something that could have been revolutionary. You could literally build you a doggone commune. Everybody collectively owns the land, uh, owns their shops, owns the um, the stores and stuff like that. And then all that money comes back. Because here's another thing. Do you think that land is just going to be used for housing? No, of course not. Do you think they're going to find a way to make some money off that? Do you think they're going to start putting businesses on these uh, lands? Yeah, I mean, they already are. Think about the, they're, they put, uh, remember over there in Binghampton, uh, on the outskirts of it, they put that Dollar Tree, they put the Aldi's, they put, like, they literally put all of these businesses over there so that those community land trust people can get money from that, too. And I want to add... These, this community land trust people, um, they're Christians. The, they're evangelicals, okay? So that's another point. How come it's always evangelicals that are creating these nonprofits to quote unquote diversify the neighborhood? Like, y'all are literally, we talked about this, Gabby, how, um, what they're basically doing is a, uh, a mission trip over into black neighborhoods. Make it make sense. That's all it is. And, and they learn from the best. They learn from the churches. They learn from their pastors. That's the number one five or one C threes, these churches. And, and they've used it as a tool to exploit. So, yeah, pretty much what we're saying is, guys, these little, be wary of these nonprofits, be wary of these new liberal scams uh, just to, to uh, not really help us. Not really help us at all. Because here's the other truth of the matter, and I'm going to get going after this. You're going to have your house. It's going to be affordable. But you're still going to be in poverty. You're still going to be in poverty. You're still going to be on food stamps. So, that's what I'm saying. Every, now everybody want to do all this housing stuff. But nobody wants to go and lobby to make sure that you're getting paid enough to live. I'm over it. I'm over it. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll put some articles in there. Um, tell me, guys, have you ever heard of this community land trust? Are you a part of a community land trust? If so, let us know. Let us know your um, experiences with it. If you have an adverse um, 
opinion, let us know. We might let you get on the show. Uh, hit us up on social media at Building RPWR. Hit KT up at KT underscore does art. Uh, hit me up at Gabby's Music. KT is doing a little uh, limited special drawing thingamajigger. I'm sure she wants to tell you about it real quick before we go. Yeah, so um, basically I am doing uh, limited uh, pictures, drawings. I'll be doing some line art, some flat colors, and then color plus shading um, that you can do with me at KT underscore does art. If so, if you need any kind of graphic design art in that realm, it's going to be ranging from about $5 to $20. So um, definitely that that's going to be all for today. Right, Gabby? Yep. Yeah, and uh, we're out of there.